We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. The premier baseball show in Chicago. Hit and run with Matt Spiegel. Nico Horner at the plate. That's going to find the gap in right center and go all the way to the wall. This will drive in a run. Racing around third and scoring is Talkman. Nico Horner with a triple. Cubs lead one to nothing. Out on strikes is Andrew Velasquez. Strikeout number four for Jamison Tyone. Cubs have two on, two down for Eric Hosmer. Hosmer with a base hit to right. Nico Horner scores. Clutch two out run scoring single for Eric Hosmer, and the Cubs lead two to nothing. Yep, you're absolutely right. Elvis Andrews hits a high fly to deep left, and it's gone against his former team and his former teammate. Gonzalez 90 feet away with the winning run at third. 0-1, Berger takes off, little tap on the ground toward third, and no play for Kelly, it's a base hit, and the White Sox win. How about that? <laughs> we'll a take it. foot game winner. We'll take it any way we can get it, and bat on ball led to something good. Those are baseball highlights from yesterday regarding two teams that both play in this town. Not yet. They're out in Arizona. The Cubs and the White Sox both, but soon they will be back here in Chicago and we get to talk baseball in this unique two-team town. I was thinking about it because this is Matt Spiegel here on Hit and Run. Happy New Year, everybody. First baseball show for me of the season. Very excited about it. I'll be here Sunday mornings, 9 to 12. And um, we're going to have some fun today. And I'm going to talk with you all morning long and want to hear from you all morning long. And that, of course, is a common theme for the Sunday morning show. want to get your thoughts, your opinions, your feelings, etc. But man, I was thinking about the two-team town thing. In New York, boy, they're so distracted by a million things. Yes, it's Yankees, and yes, it's Mets, but there's, I mean, hell, they got two basketball teams. They have, uh, they've essentially have two hockey teams. They got two football teams. Plus, there's, like, there's everything else to do. It's a, very, it's, it's a very wide sports landscape. And L.A., they barely care. Take it from a guy who lived out there for a little more than a year and a half. They, they barely care. It's a stretch. Stretch. Get on. Get on back. And then what else we got? We got San Francisco. We got the Bay Area. That's pretty close because they are divergent teams, divergent fan bases culturally and uh, geographically enough on either side of the Bay. But Oakland is kind of a laughing stock financially and professionally and has been for a long time. Um, Texas is all spread out. I'm not giving you Kansas City and St. Louis. 
This is a very unique and wonderful situation. Separated by what? Nine miles, 35th and Shields, and Clark and Addison. Two very different ballpark experiences. Um, you go to the Sox and tailgate and spend a whole day. You go to the Cubs and park a mile away and walk. Or you Uber or whatever you do and you go to bars. You can go to bars on the south side too. But the tailgate thing, you get to do that in the middle of a city for the Sox. And all the stuff that there is for the kids at at Sox Park and all the stuff that there is for the adults at Wrigley. And some now for the kids as well with Gallagher Way, just a great addition. But it, it's pretty damn special, and I do not take it for granted. Hope you don't as well. Speaks with you here on Hit and Run. Look, it, it's time. Game on. We made it. It's uh, opening day is the end of the month. But it's true for me, and perhaps it is for you. I breathe easier when baseball season comes. I have more spring in my step. I know the companion sport is coming. I know box scores are coming every morning. I know fantasy lineups are coming every morning. I know ball games are available for three hours, or maybe it's two hours and 35 minutes now of uh, some magic time and the companion, the hang time. This is when optimism should reign. It does for me. It still does. And I hope it always will. This time of year, leading with pessimism and cynicism about your baseball teams, about the fate of your team, I got to tell you, it makes me question your outlook on life, frankly. Because larger philosophical reasons exist, optimism is more practical. It, it is. I, I know some of you might think it's delusional, a little, but it's more practical. You feel better. When you are more optimistic, you thereby perform better when you are more optimistic. It's just science, folks. It's out there. There's all kinds of studies. They've done studies, you know. And 60% of the time, optimism works every time. It's science. But also, both of these teams specifically absolutely have a chance to be better than 500 and to contend. The White Sox and the Cubs. And that's the way you want to go into every year. It's the way that I've always wanted to go into every year. I, I, I dreamed of it as the, as the Cubs were in there um, in, in the throes of their World Series win and the aftermath. The White Sox started to tear it down and rebuild. And I thought maybe there's a moment in time there towards the end, 2020, maybe 2021. They'll both be right in the middle of the window. And we did have it, right? Both made the playoffs in 2020 and got swept out by the Marlins and the A's collectively, as I called the A's a laughingstock a mere few moments ago. But anyway, and then things have taken a turn since then. So we know where we are. The White Sox winning window was mortgaged in part by the hiring of an energy vampire as a manager, and they blew two years, frankly, in the middle of what should have been their highest level of excellence by continuing some negative traits about the team and the organization being very stratified, separated, not having a continuous healthy culture, not doing the things that you have to do as an organization to be better in the margins. Very disappointing. They get a a shot right now with a brand new manager to make good on that. Meanwhile, the Cubs waited too long to maximize the 
value and potential of their young core. They didn't sign any of them. None of them. Then they traded most of them away. Let Kyle Schwarber be non-tendered. Disaster. They let Wilson Contreras go away for a compensatory draft pick. And they went backwards last year. But now here we are with the White Sox, a new fresh chance with new leadership and the Cubs with this infusion of new players and many, many kids coming. So look, here's what's going on in the show today. Um, coming up at 10 o'clock, we're going to talk to Daniel Moscos, the assistant pitching coach for the Cubs, and we're going get, to get into the weeds and we're going to help you understand some of the stuff that the pitching infrastructure of a big league ball club does. Not just Cubs, but he works with pitch design while Tommy Hadovy is handling game planning and some other things. How, how does that work? What does that mean? How many different types of sliders are there? What do pitchers do to manipulate the ball? Does everybody use Repsoto and Edratronic and TrackMan? And what the hell are those things? We'll get some answers for you. And we'll talk some details of the Cubs system. At 11 o'clock, the great Nancy Faust, the former organist, the longtime organist for 41 years for the White Sox, will talk about the uh, great documentary, Last Comiskey, and about the walk-up songs. Because most of you know, I'm a musician myself, a, a music devotee, and this, this woman invented the thematic walk-up song. She basically invented the modern baseball organ as uh, it is played across the league. So... We'll do that. Um, I've got all sorts of other stuff and tidbits, but all along the way, and especially this hour, I want to talk to you. And the phone line is available at 312-644-6767. That is the listener line brought to you by BetQL. It's also how you can text. You can text that same number, 312-644-6767. Text Zone is brought to you by Rosen Hyundai of Algonquin. Save time. Shop online at rosenhyundai.com. So here are the basic questions as I see it. Will the White Sox collective chip on the shoulder? All of these players who are admitting that they underachieved last year, will that, when combined with the new leadership of Pedro Grafal and some of the other coaches, help them maximize their potential? Because if that happens, they will be a better than 500 team with a chance at contending. And for the Cubs, will the infusion of these veteran winning free agents combined with some of the youth that's there, some of the emerging players, to make them a clean, playing, efficient, solid ball club. Because if so, then they can be above 500 and a a surprising contender. I like their manager, tell you that. I um, I like the way they think about it as an organization and holistically, tell you that. So those are the questions to me. And what is each team missing? What do they need? What needs to go right this year for these teams to achieve, perhaps overachieve, get going, and give you the pleasure that you deserve from your baseball team? Phone lines are open. Throw them open there, Sean Sears. Sean Sears is our producer once again. Looking forward to a fun year with Sean. We have an associate producer who will be answering the phones over there. A developing radio talent. He's on the case. And we uh, will be taking your calls all morning long. 312-644-6767. The rules are going to be really interesting and beneficial to the game this year. It's going to be really fun, really weird. 
But I think really cool to see these new rules all kind of coalesce together. And we can talk about any of those that you want as well and how that's going to play out. I, um, I've been watching very interestedly to see how pitchers and batters and managers are going to try and game the situation. Saw something yesterday we'll talk about. Saw Max Scherzer, you know, really controlling pace and messing with hitters using the game, using the pitch clock. And I, I, I think there's going to be some side benefits to the rules happening that I'm really looking forward to. So 312-644-6767, fitting that Ron on the south side is our first call of this season of Hit and Run. What do you say, Ron? How are you? Look at it. Happy New Year. I operate like you. We operate on the baseball calendar and particularly on this show. This is when the year begins. And um, the score's wonderful producer kind of teased me last week and said, Ron, I think Steve, I had been asking when you'll be on it. He said, probably this Sunday. So ah. uh, he, he, it was a tease, so I've been waiting. Mm. Uh, yeah, a cu- couple of things. Well, well, welcome back, Steve. Thanks, man. Uh, but uh, you, you, let, me, let me get to something real important. You talked about Nancy Faust and the walk of music, and it was Jesus Christ, a superstar with dick out. Don't give it away, Ron. Come on, man. <laughs> Don't give it away. For God's sakes, Speed. man. Speed. Uh, nothing like it. Come. Nothing like For it. For God's I, sakes. I that was, was going to be a big reveal that a lot of people know already. <laughs> Two hours. Um, and, and, oh, do, wow. you have, do you have optimism about your team? It, like this, it's, it's been an ugly, ugly couple oh, of years boy. here. And then there's, you know, obviously some other ugliness here in, uh, in, in the offseason spring training. But I like the manager. Where are you on optimism for your White Sox? I, I like the manager. And, and I keep hearing that they have the chip on their shoulder. And, and, and that's okay. I just want to see them play good, as they say, clean baseball. Clean baseball, please. And and, and, and and as you mentioned, if they if they play the good that the that, that the type of baseball and, and you know what because we've just been hearing uh I've um the manager talked about the potential MVP of of Luis Robbins Jr. Mm-hmm. I, I I just you know, I I'm you know, constantly hearing that, constantly hearing that. I mean we're uh, so that, that 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 I mean we 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 need to see. I understand about the chip on the shoulder and the attitude, but this is it for for as far as the, um, the, the 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 White Sox. Uh, we 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 just have to see. But I am optimistic. Uh, I'm looking to see uh, where's Michael Kopech. How many innings can can the Sox get from him? Mm. Giolito. I heard he came in. Thinner in, in in shape. Yes. Yeah. Th- thinner after Uh-oh. being thicker last year. You got a lot of you got a lot of guys trying to change what had happened last year. Thanks for the call, Ron. It's a pleasure to talk to you, man. And um, that kind of signifies I'm back, doesn't it? Feels good talking to Ron. Here's the uh, here's the thing. Grafol Pedro Grafol has a plan that he's going through with everybody as part of their spring routine, and he's talked about it, the quote that 
that he has given is that what they're working on, these players, quote, this is what they wanted. He asked the roster to tell him and to tell them what they needed to do to improve. Because every one of them is feeling that disappointment and that kind of embarrassment about what there was last year because of how sloppy it was. Rafal has described it as, quote, playing without the energy they're capable of playing, unquote. And this is a big year to, to test whether managers matter, whether they really matter for you. I mean, I've always believed that they do. I've always known strongly that they do. How much? It depends. It changes. But, man, I, I like the way Grafol thinks about it because I think it's a healthy way to think about it. He says, quote, I don't know what the culture was here last year, okay? But I know that it takes culture to win a championship. That's what I know. And he's right. So he's trying to fix the culture, build a better culture. I like the uh, mix of accountability and kindness that he brings with the attention to detail. I think that's the right mix for a manager. And he has chosen not to kind of try to burn everything down and and go all Earl Weaver and scream at them like crazy. He's chosen not to do that. So he's really trying to engage them and figure out what they need to do to be a winning player. They have at times in their lives, obviously, won. They've been very good. So he's tried to go inside with each of these individual relationships and figure out what do you need? How, are, how do you play when you are playing at your best? And he's had all these conversations with these guys trying to connect and get the absolute most out of them. I hope that that kind of leadership, that kind of communicating, um, the attention to detail, as well as some personal shame and embarrassment for those guys is going to be enough to at least at the start have them playing with much more tightness, attention to detail, and, and excellence. And then it's a long year, so we'll see what leaders there are. We'll see who can stay focused. We'll see if people drift back to some of the bad habits we saw. And Grafol's got a big, big job on his hands that, frankly, is going to get harder as the season goes on. 312-644-6767. Phone lines are open for you. We're talking baseball all morning long on Hit. And- we get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. And run here on the score. Hang out, and uh, nice to be back. Hit and run with Matt Spiegel. Sundays, 9 a.m. to noon. Yeah, it's still pretty good. Um... Good to get the, the first one out of the way, and then today I actually felt back to being a, a pitcher, executing pitches. I remembered my routine and how all of that goes on a game day. So it was nice, beautiful day here, packed house, good vibes. Good vibes, babe. Oh, my God, Jameson Tyone. Appreciate that. We're going to talk about that guy um, a little bit next hour with Daniel Moscos, the Cubs assistant pitching coach. Tyone is really interesting. Throws a lot of different pitches, 
has a lot of control, can fill up the zone, all quadrants of the zone, crazy, crazy pinpoint control with multiple pitches. And he's got a brand new slider with the help of Daniel Mosco. So he will come up next hour. It is Matt Spiegel here with you on Hit and Run. Appreciate all of you checking in on text, on Twitter, and on the phone lines to talk about stuff uh, with these two teams. I'm, I'm, really, I'm really looking forward to the year, man. And, and part of it is, is the rules. And we'll talk about that a little bit more next hour. I just think it's all going to coalesce to create some possible excitement on a nightly basis that I want to talk with you guys about. But let's go to back to the phone lines and just really get rolling. Putting it out there for you in terms of the questions of this year. Will the Sox collective chip on the shoulder and their new leadership combine to maximize their potential? Will the Cubs infusion of veteran winning free agents combine with some of their youth to make them a surprising contender? What are these teams missing? Let's talk about it. This is Bobby and Palatine on 670 The Score. Good morning, Bobby. How are you? What's up, Sneaks? Morning. I choose optimism. I'm with you. Yeah, right. Um, you know, a couple notes for, for both both teams. So the White Sox, if you look at them last year, it ended up being, what, about a 500 team. Mm-hmm. And all of the things that you, know, you talk about underperformance, right? I mean, even the guys like Tim Anderson, injured, underperformance. Yes, Monty Grandal was terrible. Yon Mancata, horrible. Giolito had a really bad year. Um if you just get some bounce back from some of their most important players, you, you could paint a pretty good picture of a of a team to to win this division. <laughs> now, I was checking in on you know one of the first spring training broadcasts, and it really crystallized that of, of all the underperformance they had, the one guy you can always count on, Jose Abreu, yeah. not being around anymore. I hate uh, it. Seeing it on the broadcast really hit home, uh. and I, I I just don't feel good about that because. Man, he is just the steady performer for the White Sox, and you need—you just need so much, so much of that, right? <laughs> I mean, I, but I, I could see things going better with the White Sox this year if if their key players just play a little bit better. And then with the Cubs, you know, I'm a big advocate of if you have strong defense up the middle, catcher, shortstop, second base, center field, you could be a really good baseball team. And I just expect the Cubs to play clean, good baseball this year. I think their ceiling is is probably not as high as, as uh, maybe 90, 95 wins, but I could see him being an 85-win team and, and sneaking in at the end. So, Thanks, Bobby, for the call, and thanks for the thoughts on both sides of town. Love it. I, let's start on the Cubs thing. Um, I really think they're going to play clean and play efficient, smart, heady baseball. This is the way that they're designed with Carter Hawkins and that Cleveland influence. They don't have the incredible wealth of young Swing and miss starters getting churned out of the system, but maybe they will soon because that is what has enabled Cleveland to be competitive every year with their impossibly low payroll. The Cubs payroll obviously takes a big jump with the spending of what, $300 million in the offseason. But yeah, they've got a shortstop on both sides of second base. They've got an MVP caliber center fielder. They've chosen defense with the catchers. When Hosmer is out there, the the first base defense is going to be great. Mancini's pretty darn good as well. Hap is gold glove caliber and left. Whenever Suzuki comes back, that is extremely high defensive performance and right. And then third base, probably going to be Wisdom, who's solid. Maybe it'll be Christopher Morell sometimes. 
who has to get a little more dependable but is very, very smooth. Maybe it'll be Edwin Rios sometimes. But, yeah, that that defense and the way that those pitchers are going to attack and try to pitch to weak contact because they have to, frankly, I think you're going to see quick and efficient and clean games. And that is going to be, frankly, aesthetically pleasing. Man, how many times, just flip sides and think about it. When you watch the White Sox play just garbage sloppiness and then you'd see them play Cleveland, you're like, oh, yeah, there it is. Hey, look at that. Oh, look at those guys. They pick up the ball. They run the bases. Oh, interesting. Clean clean and efficient. Oh, and, and sometimes they win those games, even when they're not hitting that much. Well, Cleveland, as I said, does have the young pitching, and they've got Jose Ramirez, who might be the most dependable superstar in baseball. I mean, look at his years, just one after another after another. But uh, that brand of baseball, if it's aesthetically pleasing, it presents a high floor. I really do think that their floor, where the Cubs are going to be, right around 80 wins. I really think that's where they're going to be. And Danny Parkins making fun of me relentlessly during the course of the week. For me, perhaps not understanding what a floor is in terms of the gambling parlance. Well, look, I'm a FanDuel guy. I can speak floor, Danny. But look, I, I just think they're going, to, they're going to be in games and play very effective clean ball, and that's going to help them a lot. 312-644-6767. Ben is in Queens. Ben, good morning. Um, by the way, let me apologize to all New Yorkers for shorting them for one hockey team. When I was talking about the uniqueness of this two-team town, I said that New York has two baseball teams, two basketball teams, two football teams, two hockey teams. They have three hockey teams, um, and Patrick Kane's on one of them. But that's not why you called. Good morning, Ben. I was going to say the New Jersey Devils are on line three. Anyway, <laughs> uh Matt, you have no idea how great I feel talking to you. And as you know, you know, I have been the number one Optimist Cubs fan. I have been secretary of optimism on the Twitch chat during the show, you know, trying to explain to Cubs fans the philosophy that this team has gone down with what, what exactly what you said with Carter Hawkins, with pitching and defense. I am totally, completely optimistic, but my optimism my optimism is more 2024 through 2030 when I think what they're saying is the next great Cubs team I think is going to come to fruition. I think that's what this uh, team is building for. I think some of the moves this last offseason went towards that. For example, uh, I thought the Dansby Swanson contract was the best contract out of all the shortstops for the Cubs. Hmm. You know, I would have maybe liked Trey Turner better, but I didn't like the contract he got for the Cubs. I liked what Dansby Swanson got for the years for uh, for his uh, baseball age and what he's going to be. I mean, let me, the pause, money. let me pause you there for a second, Ben, and 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 I'll let you continue. But I, I think the way that we have seen both Philly and especially San Diego exploit the competitive balance tax by spreading out the years in some of the creative ways, it gives me a sort of a fresh understanding of what that Trey Turner deal. Was and I wish the Cubs had done it. I really, really do wish they they had done it. So um, I understand what you're saying about. Uh, I, I think Swanson is a really good signing and he's going to be a, a, a really solid player. And they do have more flexibility 
in years to come because of his deal versus Trey Turner, but I wish they had done the Trey Turner one. But anyway, go ahead, continue. And I concur with you. I like Trey Turner better than I do like Dansby Swanson. But again, mm. for what what is the future and building this team? Now, I I think 77, 78 wins, 80 wins, I think that's about right because I'm thinking that there's still maybe a couple pieces that might get traded off this team. And hear me out. Ian Happ is in his last year. Cody Bellinger is also in his last year. They have nothing but studs in the minor league and outfielders. They have the consensus best outfielder in the minor leagues in PCA and center field. You already have your right fielder signed. You got your center fielder coming. You got four studs in the minor leagues that are have to going to play have to play left field. So as far as I see it, I could see if the Cubs maybe are not in it in June or in, in June or July that those pieces get moved, Hap and Bellinger, so that you can really set yourself up for the next six years. But optimistic, I have always been, and I will continue to be, sir. One last thing, as far as optimism it goes, and I hope you get to it. Tuesday night, 11 o'clock Eastern, Cuba, Cuita against the upstart Netherlands. I cannot wait to watch the World Baseball Classic. Thank you, Ben. Appreciate it. WBC is coming. We'll talk plenty about it uh, over the next course of, uh, of several weeks. I'm, I'm really excited. And frankly, I'm torn. I'm a little torn. I've always been a Team Puerto Rico guy because of the passion and the fun with which they play. I mean, it, it's just, it, it's been incredible. But I was in the Dominican Republic for the second time this past year. In January, I was there, and I went to see a Dominican Winter League game um, in addition to other baseball experiences I've had down there. And now I feel like a, a certain love and warmth for Dominican baseball. And their lineup is outrageous. And then, oh, by the way, the American team looks really, really good. So I don't know. I don't know who to root for. I, I, I think I, I think I just have to I just have to watch for good baseball and see where my heart goes. Uh, very much looking forward to it. Sean, you looking forward to the World Baseball Classic, sir? Yeah, I am. I am. I am looking forward to it. I'm a little bummed that Say is not going to be there. I was excited to see him play with Japan. But uh, a lot of fun guys, a lot of fun players. I'm excited to see. I want to see what Mervis does for Team Israel. I think he's going to be like one of the few pros on that team. You are hot for Matt Mervis, sir. And you know what? So am I. It's about time we mentioned him. It's about time we brought him up. This guy, I, I really hope that he has a chance to make the opening day roster. When they signed Hosmer along with Mancini, and it started to feel like, well, they're going to lock and load him for AAA. I'm a believer in Matt Mervis for lots of different reasons. There is, it, it, some of it is mechanical. Some of it is the numbers of his meteoric rise last year. Some of it is the makeup of the guy. There's lots and lots of reasons. Here's a little bit from, um, from the Cubs video that they put out there. Uh, about Matt Mervis, uh, this is this is from the On Deck series that Cubs.com put together. As far back as I can remember, my mom has described me as a different person when I'm playing. There's no conscious change for me, but when I step on the field, I become a different person. Matt Mervis and Mash Mervis are, are two different people. Matt, like I said, I'm not super outgoing. I, I kind of like to keep to myself and do my own thing, but Mash on the baseball field, my mindset's aggressive. I want to hit the ball hard and help score some runs and do what I can to help us win. My grandpa 
barely uses technology, but he took a selfie in a Mash Mervis t-shirt the other day. And I mean, just fired me up. Like, <laughs> it was so funny to see that and made me really happy. And, you know, we're a pretty tight-knit family. There's never gonna be an easy path, whether it's an undrafted free agent like me or, or a first rounder. So everyone's path is different. But I think of the coaches I've played for, the scouts that told me I'd never be a hitter. There were friends and teammates growing up that doubted me. I felt like those people are wrong and I'm gonna continue to prove them wrong and hopefully just wait for that call. Mervis drills deep to right, off the scoreboard. Home run number 27. Matt Mervis there from the Cubs on Deck series. Um, he's a big power hitter, but he's also a student of hitting and a really deep thinker on it. If you get a chance, watch the marquee thing with him and Cliff Floyd. Really, really good. And if you look at some of the best numbers from his explosive season in the minors last year, what I love is that as the pitching got better, so did he. His strikeout rates improved every time he got promoted. At high A last year, a walk rate of 4.6, a K rate of 24.1. At double A, the walk rate went up, almost doubled to 8.7. The K rate went down to 20. At triple A, as the pitching got even better, he got smarter and more patient. The walk rate went up to 10.4. The K rate went down to 14.6. He's not just a slugger. He hunts pitches on the outer half. He loves driving them the other way. And uh, David Ross the other day kind of admitted sheepishly that physically the body and the big, broad shoulders reminds him of Anthony Rizzo. And he's not alone for that visual reminder. Jim Deshays actually had brought it up on the broadcast. Um, but yet, but um, you have the clip from the game, from the game that I'm talking about where he talks about uh, Mervis and Rizzo. Sure, go ahead and play. Felt really good about his uh, progress last year and put himself on the map. And he's a guy that uh, hopefully continues on that trend. He's got kind of a Rizzo body, doesn't he? I, you know, I didn't want to compare him. You, I'm, I'm glad you said it, J.D., I didn't. But just the whole, like, it's like the shoulders are just really long and thick, the, the, the neck, you know, just the whole thing. He's just got a presence about him in the box. He's a very simple, quiet young man, but a really good way about him so far. David Ross agreed with Jim Deshays when he said he reminds him of Anthony Rizzo. <laughs> Headlines. <laughs> but, yeah, right. That's always the problem, right? Oh, Rossi said you're yeah, going to be Anthony. No, no, yeah. no. We're talking body type. Yes. Who knows what he ultimately will be. Yeah. Um, and, and then Ross was talking about the at-bats. This is just from yesterday. Because if you've been watching, you've seen Rizzo go. Hey, Rizzo. You've seen Mervis go opposite way with liners off the wall. You've seen him go up the middle, both of those against lefties. You've seen him walk a bunch. Yeah, strike out too. But uh, the at-bats have been good, and David Ross thinks so. Yeah, I think the things that have stood out to me about Matty is um, you know, it's a very dry personality and, and you know, he's a worker and, and thinks through things. He's very hard on himself and competes at a high level, but if you watch him, you know, even even the at-bats you feel like um, aren't successful at-bats, he's in the ABs, he's able to take his walks, controlling the strike zone. We can continue to do that, man. If you watch his batting practice, the way he hits the ball, how it comes off the bat, pretty impressive. Yesterday's uh, got to see on the backfield a little bit and it stood out to me just how hard he's hitting. He hits the baseball and 
Um, you better be positioned in the right place, even on a ground ball, because it's coming in hot uh, when you're on the infield. So um, those are kind of the first impressions I've had. Hadn't seen much action defensively, but I, I know that's a part of the game he wants to do there, build up, build upon, and work to get better in. That's uh, David Ross talking about Matt Mervis. Um, uh, for the record, I wanted Anthony Rizzo to make the team at the beginning of 2012 as well. He did not. Then he went down to AAA and hit 342 with 23 homers and 62 RBIs before getting recalled on June 26th and came up and raked right away. Um, but that was a Cubs team definitely not trying to contend, uh, willingly going backwards. Um, and this is a Cubs team that has dreams and visions of of playing well enough to contend. So... I'd like to see Mervis have a chance to make this team. We'll see how things go as he plays for Team Israel in the World Baseball Classic and gets a chance to hopefully have some high leverage at bats in uh, some big moments in that tournament that's coming up this week. Some White Sox stuff to get to and some more of your phone calls in the next segment at 670 The Score, 312 644 If you want to hop in, uh, Dylan Cease. Has, uh, has pitched and pitched well, struck out a couple yesterday. And also, I've been doing this series on Parkins and Spiegel, and I'm going to give you a couple of them a little bit later. I've been in town for 30 baseball seasons. 1993 was my first baseball season in town. So we've been having some fun, and I've been writing up some profiles, my 30 favorite Chicago ball players in these last 30 years. So I'm going to give you one White Sox player and one Cubs player before we get out of here at noon. It's Spiegs on Hit and Run on 670 The Score. Hit and Run with Matt Spiegel, Sunday mornings on The Score. Pretty good, obviously. Uh, you know, walks aren't ideal, but they're pretty uh, pretty close misses. And, um, you know, just got to recalibrate a little bit and get back into it. I actually felt, I mean, I felt good. I didn't feel wild, even though I you know, had the two walks. I felt pretty, pretty solid, so uh, I think it was a good first outing. That is Dylan Cease. That is the best pitcher in town. That is the best starting pitcher in town, the most watchable pitcher in town, the most exciting pitcher in town. Remind me to get to that later. Like uh, Sean, Sean Sears, our producer, and uh, Ruben Spiegel, our associate producer, doing a hell of a job there. Um, is he doing anything? Is he doing anything He's yet? He's been taking these calls, man. He He's has? getting these callers. He's doing a good job. That's excellent. He, he looks offended that I even asked if he was getting anything done. We had a caller tell me he needs a raise. Uh, well, that's up to Mitch. That's up to the big boss. You had a Mitch good conversation was. with Mitch today, too. I heard they set. It was kind of a, a start of season, like standard setting conversation. Was it in the room, Sean? Did you hear it happening? No, no. I wasn't pervy to those details. Oh, really? No. He took him in there, had a face-to-face. Mm-hmm. Like an entrance meeting. Not an exit meeting, but an entrance meeting. He handled uh, it well. He uh, did well. Uh, Ruben handled it well? Uh, Mitch handled it well. I, I would suspect that he I would. mean, I think he was a little nervous, but you know. Mitch? Yeah, he'll get over it. It's okay. Oh, you mean Ruben? Oh, yeah, I, I get confused. It's whatever, right? Um, remind me later to talk about starting pitchers who you lock and load to make sure you do not miss. Oh, appointment viewing for sure. Appointment viewing starting pitchers. I want to talk about that a little bit later. Gosh, I hope they go deeper. We'll talk about the baseball rules quite a bit in the next hour as well. Um, and, and looking forward to that conversation after we talk to Cubs assistant pitching coach, Daniel Moscos. But let me say this about the White Sox roster as it is constructed. And what I see is some of the battles sort of on the fringe of the roster. 
I love the Elvis Andres signing. I really do. I think that guy is a professional, so solid and so stable. I know he overachieved a bit offensively in his small sample last year. But, man, talk about a presence. Talk about somebody Pedro Grafol can point to and say, yeah, that guy does it the right way. Watch him. And, of course, it gives the White Sox what the Cubs and some other teams have, which is shortstop caliber defense at second base, which makes a big difference for this kind of year. I, I really like Andrus being here. It, it's the kind of thing that, that raises my vibes, frankly, for a clubhouse and for a team. And he's also a pretty good backup if T.A. struggles or can't stay healthy um, in what is a very big season for Tim Anderson. But so, look, Andres is here, and that means that Romy Gonzalez is not a lock to make this team. But I think Rick really wants Romy Gonzalez. That's one of his guys. And if Romy Gonzalez plays well enough here in the spring with his flexibility, I think he's going to make this team, and that will not leave room for Leori Garcia. I think it's going to be time to say goodbye to Leori Garcia with a designation for assignment in the final year of that three-year contract that they gave out. There was a moment uh, early on when, I think it was before Andres was here, just before that, and Rick was talking about the second base options, and he was playing up Romy, and he was like sort of listing other people, and he said, and Leori is around. That's what he said. Leori is around. (laughs) It was like, whoa! That was jarring. I don't think Leori is going to be around, um, but we'll see. And because there's another guy, there's Hanser Alberto, who Grafol loves, who's got a lot of flexibility. And then there's this with those new rules, Billy Hamilton's burning speed and his vibe and his joy and all that, which they like. But his burning speed could be a weapon that they just don't want to go away from. The bases are a little closer together to promote steals to promote activity and with the rules about disengagement which we'll talk about I I think somebody's going to steal a hell of a lot more bases actually a lot of people are going to steal a hell of a lot more bases than you've been seeing them steal and one of those might be Billy Hamilton so I you know that along with Gavin Sheets who's a lock for the lefty slugger uh, play a little outfield a little DH a little bit of first base and Sebi Zavala is your backup catcher. I think Jake Berger, unfortunately, is 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 battling to to get up there. I, I, I'm betting on the bench being Romy and Sheets and Zavala and Hamilton with an outside shot for Hanser Alberto. So no, no Colas then? Uh, no, Colas is your right fielder. Oh, you think he's going to start? Colas is your starting right fielder. I hope he does. That's I, who I want to. I, I think that's what that's what they've had in mind. I think he is, uh, I mean, he's one of their best hitters so far in the small sample as well. He and Eloy, I, I, I should have mentioned that off the bat, but that, that's my assumption is that not only has he been given every chance to win the job, he's, he's, he's almost locked in for it. See, I, it was weird. I was talking with Mike Rankin, actually, one of our producers, and he was talking like he was thinking Colossus was going to be a, maybe a bench guy. And I'm like, well, who's, who's not play- He's got to be playing right field, right? I, I, I think that's your starting right fielder. Um, this is Stan in Bellwood. Who was on hit and run? Stan, happy new year and welcome in. Thanks for calling. How's it? Well, how- likewise, likewise. I, uh, same to you. Welcome back, uh, Steve. A little earlier than I thought. I didn't. I uh, didn't know you were going to be on this weekend. A pleasant surprise. Good to hear you. Thanks, man. All right. Hey, um, listen. I am excited for baseball as always. Uh, like you, 
Uh, I've got an eye on uh, everything and everybody uh, saw in the uh, early going down in the spring. Uh, unfortunately, I wish I could share your optimism for the White Sox uh, this year. Um, I, as a matter of fact, a lot of your uh, assessment of the team, I, I'm, I'm a polar opposite. I, I'm not seeing the same thing you do. Um, I like the manager uh, uh, and certainly an upgrade uh, from what they had. Um, uh, I like his attitude. I like the way he's uh, doing things and running things so far. But the White Sox, is, uh, uh, let me go back. I've, uh, as a matter of fact, speaks when they put uh, when they put out the uh, totals, the uh, MLB win totals. I put my money where my mouth is already. I, I took the the Sox number was eighty three. I bet the under. Whew. Their starting place uh, is that uh, they're a mediocre team in a weak division. That's where they start. Uh, based on what happened during the winter, uh, all the activity. Going into the season, I see the White Sox as no better than the eighth best team in the American League. Hmm. I, I count certainly one team in the Central that's superior. I see four teams in the East that are better, and two teams certainly. And I actually think that the Rangers are going to win more games than the White Sox hmm. this year and are going to be more of a threat to be uh, a wild card contender on the white side. Well, the Rangers uh, uh, the, the Rangers is a very interesting thing. They threw all that money at pitching after throwing all that money at the middle infield last year and this is definitely time for them to uh to step forward. It sounds like you don't believe in the personal advancement or the uh personal regression to the mean of multiple players and you know who they are, Stan. Be it Moncada and TA and Robert and Giolito. I, I mean, there's there's a lot of them. It sounds like you believe most of those are going to give you similar. Listen, I don't like uh, an over-reliance on comebacks, <laughs> players making comebacks and uh, staying healthy. Uh, there are too many question marks. Yohan Mankata, as you said, has to realize his potential. Lucas Giolito has to bounce back. Uh, Tim Anderson, uh, Robert Eloy, we're relying on them to stay healthy. Uh, the White Sox have not – listen, I'm, I'm all for Oscar Colas getting a chance uh, and a shot at being the, the uh, right fielder. That's a good thing. But they have no protection in the event that he doesn't. They still don't have a defensive caddy for Yasmani Grandal. Now, uh, Elvis, you know, I like. He's a pro. Uh, certainly better than they had, but I'd rather have a second baseman. I don't want a converted shortstop. I'd rather have a legit, professional, experienced second baseman. I disagree. So I, I, I don't I, see that as a good thing uh, that you do. I, I hear you. Uh, I, I disagree. I, I think Elvis is going to be terrific uh, over there defensively, even though he, he hasn't done it. He's just he's very smooth and smart, and he was working at it in the offseason. He's working at it all spring. I think that's going to be a pretty easy transition uh, for him myself. Um, so I disagree on that one. But I hear you. Look, if Colas is, you know, does not show up strong and stable, they don't have an answer uh, still in right field. 
but I, I, I think the Colas will be okay. Uh, I, I really do. Um, so, look, we'll see. Stan, I understand where you're coming from. I totally understand where you're coming from. This will be uh, a very interesting data point in terms of uh, personal development, the power of culture, and in terms of, uh, you know, clarifying how much was a legit negative with Tony and everything that went on over the past couple years. And I'll admit to you firmly that I am rooting for the White Sox to be good and rooting for a lot of those guys to be better because it confirms my beliefs about the power of culture, the importance of a manager. And I have to be honest about that rolling around in my head and in my heart in terms of optimism. Because because I, I just... I've known it matters. I think it matters. And I was so disappointed by, by what went on. Um, a point of clarity, and this uh, courtesy of uh, James Fox on Twitter as a reminder, there's two more years left on Leary Garcia's deal. $5.5 million for each of this year and next year. Now, granted, that total is less than they swallowed when they designated Dallas Keuchel for assignment. So they've done some swallowing in recent years. So it's still very much on the table that he could be DFA'd. But is a, it is definitely a little bit bigger of an ask than the final year of his deal. So, God, that's ridiculous. It feels like ages ago he signed that three-year contract. But it was just before last season when Tony was given Liori and then, of course, used him as much as he did. Whew. Man. That'll leave a mark. Speaks with you out here on Hit and Run. couple more hours of the radio show on Sunday morning. I am back and enjoying it. When we come back, the assistant pitching coach for the Cubs, an important part of their pitching infrastructure all the way through the system. We will uh, talk to Daniel Moscos about specific Cubs, sure, but also about pitch design and about modern pitching in MLB. If you don't know a lot about it, this will be a chance to learn a bunch about it. It's really interesting stuff. We'll do that next on 670 The Score. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.